We've been a little bit distracted here in Canada and even more so where we live in the GTA uh, with COVID-19 and numbers going up with the Omicron variant. And, uh, you know, Christmas is here. You know, it's tomorrow. Um, and Vladimir Putin may not be the top of mind, but he uh, basically... Uh, primed Russia for war against Ukraine earlier this week, warning NATO to back off or, quote, everyone will be turned to ash, end quotes. Now, that is a scary headline. And I think for a lot of us, you know, we've been focusing on our own lives, so we don't know what's happening in other areas of the world. But for a deeper look into Putin's posturing and possible moves, we're joined by Dr. Andrea Chandler, a professor in the Department of Political Science at Carleton University in Ottawa. Welcome to the show. Thanks for spending some time. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So the West is bracing for possible military action by Russia. Perhaps we're thinking it could come as late as January. Uh, What exactly is going on right now um, on the border of Russia and Ukraine? Well, I I think that that NATO has been very concerned by the buildup of troops on the border. And I think also concerned by um, the situation in uh, Belarus, which borders um, Russia to the west and Ukraine to um, the northeast, where um, there has been a crisis on the border with Poland uh, with respect to um, um, migrants uh, wishing to enter Poland from the Belarusian side. And so there's been a sort of escalation of uh, rhetoric with Russia and its ally, um, Belarus, uh, really throughout um, throughout the, the fall. Uh, and it is the po- prospect of an, an invasion is something that um, that people have been Russia analysts have been talking about for uh, a few weeks. Yesterday, Putin gave his uh, annual uh, long news conference, and his uh, rhetoric on Ukraine was very harsh. Not only did he blame the West for the insecurity that he personally perceives from a European-oriented Ukraine, but he denied that Ukraine. Uh, was even a legitimate nation. Um, and, and that's not the first time uh, he said that, but he was really quite um, quite strident about it. And so it seemed to be one of the key messages that he wanted to get across yesterday to what we can assume was primarily a Russian audience, but also an international audience. We saw Russia uh, annex Crimea and the world didn't do much about it. Um, or do you think Putin's actions of, you know, having more troops, Russian troops, 100,000 of them apparently on Ukraine's eastern border right now, are um, indicating a possibility of him trying to take more of Ukraine? Because, and is he being influenced by NATO and the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan? Is he just thinking, well, you know, they're not going to play a long game with me? Uh, that's a really good point. What you mentioned, what you mentioned about Afghanistan, and so when I think about the, the prospects for invasion, I can see uh, reasons why he wouldn't invade and reasons why uh, why he would. Um, the, the the strongest argument for saying that he won't invade is because there's no obvious event or change that could be used to justify the invasion. There's not much that has happened even in the last two or three years in Ukraine to explain why something like this would happen now. 
And there are so many logical reasons why uh, an invasion would be a bad idea. Um, both Russia and Ukraine are battling COVID, uh, vaccination rates relatively uh, low, uh, COVID is a serious problem. Assembling troops in two countries battling COVID could cause a worse spread of infection and the accompanying impacts on society. Um, and also, you know, Putin is, is a leader who likes surprises. He likes to do things by stealth. But it's, so it's hard to see that the benefits of, of a conflict that in this case is widely expected. The crisis in Belarus um, took place throughout the, the fall. Uh, the publicity has been given to the presence of, of Russian troops near the Ukrainian border. So there's no advantage of surprise here. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's hard to see the, the, the benefits. But on the other hand, the point you made about Afghanistan is, is quite important because I think, you know, if I try to imagine what would be going through his mind to, that would um, convince him that there was some advantage in military action, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that the international situation has changed. Angela Merkel is no longer Chancellor of uh, Germany. She's somebody who is seen as a really strong uh, leader and unifier within NATO. Uh, the Chinese leader, she is more confrontational than previous Chinese leaders. Uh, President Biden, I think, is, uh, is um, underestimated uh, by, um, by Putin. So in his way of thinking, it's possible that the that there is a moment in the international situation uh, where the West is relatively uh, weak and where there's a possibility that the West might be divided on this. Um, another factor that might explain uh, why he'd be tempted for some sort of uh, military action is that Putin has made it obvious that he does not accept Ukrainian sovereignty. And they, he really hasn't changed his position on Ukraine since 2014. So there's been no softening. There's been no uh, evidence of learning on his part about the benefits of negotiation. Uh, and uh, another factor is that Putin may miscalculate Russia's people's support for regaining Ukraine. Does he think that this could boost his uh, popularity, which has lagged a bit lately? It's possible um, because it did. He did see a boost in popularity after the annexation of of uh, Crimea in 2014. There's all kinds of reasons to think that there wouldn't be that support now, but but I think he sees the world in his own particular way. When you hear uh, something like a threat, you know, back off NATO or I will turn things to ash coming from Putin earlier this week, um, you know, you might not even have to worry about it. And you might know that because the U.S. and NATO have already said they're not going to send troops to defend uh, Ukraine in event of an invasion. They might, though, uh, and would possibly be looking at sanctions. What are those sanctions and how damaging would they be? Well, there, there have been sanctions in place since the annexation of, uh, since the annexation of, um, of, Crimea. uh, Crimea. And I think that's something that Putin wasn't really counting on that those sanctions have been in place for so long and they've only increased. Um, so, so the question is, have they had an impact on him? They would have to be 
something of a more serious um, nature, perhaps to uh, having to do with the financial system uh, or further um, further sanctions on the economy and uh, in investments. Um, I think just as important, though, is the sort of moral uh, and economic and other forms of support uh, that NATO would um, could continue to give to Ukraine's uh, President uh, Zelensky, which would be just indicating support in general for the whole principle of um, of um, sovereignty in Ukraine. Yeah. And this is exactly what Ukraine does not want is for NATO to continue to regard Ukraine as a, as a sovereign state with a legitimate, democratically elected government. Why wouldn't Ukraine want that? Oh, no. It, sorry, if I said Russia. Ukraine, I meant Russia. Okay. This is what Putin doesn't want, is, All right. is the continued support of, of Ukraine and the support for sovereignty in general. Can we turn our attention to Canada? Because I don't have a lot of time left with you. We have sure. uh, we originally sponsored Ukraine's bid to join NATO, and we are one of their biggest cheerleaders and defenders. Apparently, we have 200 troops over there uh, training uh, Ukrainian soldiers through an international training mission trying to improve their combat skills. What happens to those trainers if there is indeed an invasion of Ukraine? Would Do you see us with, withdrawing in uh, January? Because that's when they're saying it would happen, probably in January in the winter months uh, when the ground is frozen. Would you anticipate a withdrawal of our, our troops? Uh, yeah, it's really hard to say. And I think the reason why it's hard to say is because if such a conflict would happen, um, it's not it's not known where it would happen or how it would happen. Um, but possibly, um, I would think that NATO leaders might be better informed about those sorts of things um, than uh, than I would. But you know, it would put it would put NATO in quite a difficult position in that sense. Sure, because the allies are saying that they're they're not going to uh, go in. And if we're already there, uh, you're in a bit of a quagmire. Can I turn our attention quickly? And I don't know if you can comment on this, but um, what's going on in Hong Kong? Universities this week, three public monuments to uh, the um, protests in Tian- Tiananmen Square and the bloodshed back in 1889 are being dismantled and carted away. One of them, the first one that started everything off, uh, was carted away in the middle of the night. The message to me is anything but subtle. It looks like mainland China is pulling some strings in Hong Kong where they were, you know, the only place on Chinese soil, soil that were able to commemorate uh, things like this. Well, I think, I think it's interesting. And, and, and there's a lot of, of parallels with Russia and Ukraine where statues and monuments are so important and their presence has become so uh, politicized. I, I think it kind of indicates a, 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 a belief perhaps that, um, that if you try to rewrite history, if governments try to rewrite history and try to take away visual symbols mm. of uh, awkward events that have happened in the past that aren't convenient for governments, then you can actually um, you can actually change history. You can actually erase people's memories of it. Um, 
but people's memories remain regardless of the presence of monuments or statues and and even even if you uh, take history books out of uh, libraries or close the archives, people still have their memories of what happened. Um, and it, I think it's just an indication how some of today's authoritarian leaders are very, very nervous about history and about uh, it, the authoritarian lessons of the past uh, being a kind of danger to their own legitimacy and credibility. Dr. Chandler, I want to thank you for your time on this Christmas Eve, because I know everybody's looking forward to some sort of uh, observation of the holiday, whether it's just taking, putting your feet up, having a glass of eggnog or or otherwise. And uh, I thank you for your um, generous generosity this morning with us. Oh, thanks very much. It was my pleasure. Have a happy holiday. Dr. Andrea Chandler is a professor in the Department of Political Science at Carleton University in Ottawa. Just a little getting us up to speed on what's going on in other parts of the globe. We're going to take a quick break, and then I want to talk about uh, your kitsch, specifically your Christmas kitsch. You know what I mean by that? It's like I have a vintage uh, glow-in-the-dark. I call it a glow-in-the-dark. It's a light-up ceramic tree. You know, I can't believe they're selling these things online for 300 bucks. My grandmother made it in a ceramics class. It's about two feet high, and it's my Christmas tree. What? Kitsch, are you rocking? I want to know your Christmas kitsch. What is it? 416-870-6400. Maybe we'll walk some people down memory lane or, you know, take someone down the street to their neighbor's house. 640 Toronto Chopper Traffic. Here is Jackie King. Kelly, taking a look at our major highways, we just got some volume filling in on the eastbound 401 traveling through Mississauga Road. It is also slow on the southbound 404 from Shepherd all the way down to the 401. In town, we do have reports of a collision on Lawrence East of Pharmacy. And we do also have westbound Queensway at Parkland. There is a crash where the right lane is blocked. And traveling southbound at Parkland, the right lane is also blocked for the same collision. And we do have emergency crews on scene as well as police who are directing traffic through the area. Enjoy the hottest wireless deals at Best Buy. Get a gift card worth up to $300 with a new phone on select plans. Hurry. Boxing Day deals run until December 30th. I'm Jackie King with Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Chopper Traffic.